This is Misinfo Weekly, a somewhat weekly program about misinformation in our time. Misinfo Weekly is a collaboration between the School of Complex Adaptive Systems, the School of Social and Behavioral Sciences, and the Unit for Data Science and Analytics at Arizona State University Library. Hello and welcome. Today is Friday, August 4th. Sean, it is still hot. Welcome to Arizona, at least for another couple more months. I feel like it's a, been a very interesting experience to just stare at the projected temperature map. And it looks like they've come up with a new color to demonstrate really hot. And it's this really dark purple color that, um, and then, and then nearly black, um, to just represent how hot it, it actually is going to be. Well, I think that connects a little bit to what we want to talk about today. Cause one of the ways we can beat the heat is to maybe go to the movie theaters you know, going to the movies is just such a good way to beat the heat. I even uh, saw Barbie last weekend, really enjoyed it. I feel like that's a whole other conversation we can have about uh, some political commentators' responses to the Barbie film, but perhaps chapter for another day. Seen any good ones lately? I have not seen Barbie yet. Um, I did see Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones, and let's just say they're a little long. It's interesting that you bring up Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible is as 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 many of us know hollywood is going through a rough patch right now with the writers and actors strikes uh in addition to diminished enthusiasm for movie going in general uh, this generally means that people tend to pay attention to box office numbers maybe a little bit more than maybe we ordinarily would i think it's a favorite pastime for for movie nerds to look at how much money each film is bringing in but i want to talk a little bit about sound of freedom a little indie film put out by Angel Studios, and it's currently outpacing your Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning um, by over $10 million. So if we look at domestic, uh, or, or sorry, total gross for these films, Dead Reckoning bringing in around $144 million, 23 days in release. Meanwhile, The Sound of Freedom, 31 days in release, has brought in $156 million. Now this is a small studio, an indie film, $156 million is a really impressive haul. But Sound of Freedom is kind of an interesting film. Sound of Freedom is about child trafficking. It's also been uh, endorsed or won the approval of former President Trump and has stirred up a whole bunch of controversy around that. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's interesting because my my first exposure to this film was actually through social media, where on my feed, uh, I kept getting ads for The Sound of Freedom. And the commentary on the ads would say things like, here's the movie no one wants you to see. Or they tried to stop it, but no one can stop this indie sensation. You know, go see The Sound of Freedom. Right? And even, even other people's comments on it were, you know, no one, no one really wants to face the truth of this movie, but you need to go see it. And so a lot of representations of the movie, just in terms of its, uh, I would say, grassroots publicity efforts, looked uh, from both kind of what looked like sponsored ads, but then also, you know, comments from, from other people who had seen it, uh, were trying to come up with this idea that this movie was forbidden in some way, sometimes because someone didn't want me to see it, or just because the content would be, would be really difficult. And we've seen this technique before when we've discussed uh, other films like well, I use the term film loosely. I call them, you know, disinfomentaries in a way. But 
We've seen this for Plandemic and Plandemic 2. Similarly, you know, the government doesn't want you to see this. Corporations don't want you to see this. Facebook, Twitter, they don't want you to see this. They're removing that content. So this is a similar trope or technique to drive interest in, well, the elites don't want you to see this. So then that's going to draw some interest in certain communities and also plug into some folks that feel undermined or disconnected or distrust of elites or government organizations. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that this movie has has scratched an itch or struck a nerve. It has spoken to something that people are responding to. I don't think you sell that many tickets without really resonating with a group of people in a pretty big way, especially since, you know, this isn't a movie that people watch and then don't talk about. People are talking about this movie. So this is a film and it's, it's, it's primary kind of plot is you've got the protagonist who, you know, basically goes on a rescue mission to, I'll just keep it like 10,000 feet. Right. Super Uh, light, super light, (laughs) super super light, super light. Don't don't want to get into details. Right. But goes on a rescue mission to try to to rescue somebody who's who's being trafficked. Um, There's some violence and killing. There's some guns. There's there's the jungle. Um, There's people who don't believe him. And there's a righteous cause. Uh, People. People are talking about this movie like this person was brave enough to stand up when other people were not brave enough to stand up. I think people are compelled by the kind of uh, almost or maybe exactly extrajudicial, extra legal, extra governmental intervention being taken on in this film. And this connects to a trope that we've discussed before around Wayfair, QAnon, where aren't you concerned about the children? Like child trafficking is happening everywhere. This is a common occurrence. This is something that everyday members of the community, parents should be concerned about child trafficking in this specific way of kidnapping of children being sold. And this is not to say that child trafficking and human trafficking in general is not a serious issue and is not something that we need to address. It's that this trope continues to repeat itself. Kristen Abrams of the McCain Institute on July 28th. So this was this op-ed comes out in USA Today, and it's reprinted on the McCain Institute uh, webpage. But there are a couple paragraphs here that I'll just read out because it's really excellent. I think she really crystallizes what is kind of bizarre or almost allegorical about the film. Unfortunately, what many don't realize is that although Sound of Freedom is advertised as a true story film, that story is highly fictionalized. With even Angel Studios, the film's distributor, acknowledged that, acknowledging that they took creative liberties. In the film, Tim Ballard, the main character, embarks on a mission through the Colombian jungle to rescue two siblings from a well-organized machine gun firing cartel. No one should question the importance of raising awareness of human trafficking or of working creatively and diligently to keep kids safe from the horror of sexual exploitation. What all moviegoers, especially our nation's top lawmakers, must know, however, is that depictions of child trafficking and the rescue tactics celebrated in this film are highly sensationalized, misleading, and do more harm than good. Contrary to what is shown in this film, most child trafficking victims know and trust their traffickers. They are not kidnapped by shadowy strangers off street corners. A Baylor University study found that less than 10% of child trafficking cases involved kidnapping. 
While movies like this heighten our anxiety about perceived threats to children in public spaces, we may unwittingly ignore the online dangers young people face. And it is also troubling how The Sound of Freedom glorifies rescue missions disregarding decades of research and experience, showing that international sting operations are dangerous, sometimes illegal, often unethical, and fail to dismantle or discourage human trafficking. To me, that is an utter dismantling of the rhetoric and kind of fictionalization represented by this film. I think that really the important parts of those quotes, right, are that human trafficking is an issue, but the way that it's portrayed in the movie is this Mission Impossible style danger that's not the actual danger of human trafficking, that's not the actual solution to human trafficking, and we have empirical evidence that that's not the good way to go about it. And so, for example, Justice and I volunteer at the airport. We've had training to recognize human trafficking, how to report it, what these processes, what it actually looks like. And so there are programs in place. And yes, we need to do more, but there are programs in place to recognize this at transport depots. There's coalitions across the country that are working on this. But again, those are empirically based, not sensationalized programs that are trying to address these issues. Some of the ways this rhymes with QAnon and you know, even even critics of the film calling it kind of Q adjacent or kind of QAnon style rhetoric going throughout this film. I think even even by reading Abrams's account of the film, you know, you start to see the ways that this rhymes with QAnon. You know, this connects back to the sort of but for the children. It's like a, another entry point, and I think the way the film is portrayed, and as we get into the social media presence around this too. It's also portraying the organizations that are supposed to address human trafficking and are working to address human trafficking as incompetent because their methods differ so much from the methods that are shown in the film. Yeah, there's very much this idea that a good guy with a gun is going to be able to solve the problem. It's the American way, right? Well, I mean, I it, is a, it, is, it is a way. I, I, what what is what is striking to me is is the way that the the style of solution in this film is one that cuts out institutions cuts out governments gets rid of all of the look i mean the the bones of of q conspiracy are here in that all these institutions are, you know, feckless, corrupt, and untrustworthy, that children are being kidnapped and abused, and that individual citizens who are brave enough to take action are the ones who are going to bring about and kind of uh, bring about, you know, justice and, and, and right this great wrong. I think that's where the Q, the Q stuff ends with this film, right? Like, uh, I, I don't think the film itself is making some of the claims about the vast government conspiracies uh, or or some of the other, you know, more far out claims of something like QAnon. But I understand why someone would call this Q adjacent because, you know, just as Abrams uh, uh, indicates, right, it encourages a certain kind of street level vigilance 
that is supposed to take the place of other kinds of institutions that are no longer trustworthy. And this is similar to Stop the Steal or has some textures of like Stop the Steal that members of the general public through their own observations know more than experts and can just see election fraud taking place. They can just see human trafficking taking place. And from the trainings that I've been involved in, this is actually a complicated thing to recognize. It's not simplistic. It's not to say that someone can't recognize it and report it. It's that this is much more complicated. And the reality is we don't need this kind of militia feel, militia texture that's surrounding the film. And I'm not saying that the goal of the film was to do these things. It's that this film gets embedded in this environment and then sort of adapted to a whole host of different purposes that we're discussing now, which makes it this QAnon adjacent kind of texture or feel. It definitely preaches militia eyes, right? Militia eyes can see child trafficking. Militia eyes can see voter fraud. Militia eyes can see the bad guys. And so while the film, it's, the film isn't making any claims about nefarious conspiracies uh, by Hollywood elites, uh, conspiracies surrounding the film certainly are making those allegations. And when I say conspiracies around the film, I mean like an incident where, say, John, as, like, as you saw on TikTok, someone complaining that the lighting was broken in the theater. Right. So there are multiple examples of this. There's a plethora of examples. I think plethora is a great word here. But one of the examples if we can dive into for a second here is we've seen various examples of malfunctions at a theater, mechanical malfunctions. So the air conditioning, which it's hot everywhere, hence why we opened with the discussion of heat. It's hot everywhere, so air conditioning is overloaded. Um, the mechanical things just happen, right? Mechanics just malfunction. But we see various videos on TikTok going viral to the tune of things with, you know, over 700,000 likes, 20,000 comments, 53,000 saves, 64,000 shares of this video of a staff member going into a movie theater saying, sorry, the light dimmer is broken. And they're like, huh. The light dimmer is broken on this th this theater, on this show. What don't they want us to see? There's a conspiracy that the reason why we can't you know, see this show or we can't see this in a way that we normally would is because they're leaving the lights on because they want us to leave. And then if you start to read the comments, it gets even more interesting. But then other folks are saying, well, I was at this other theater and I was watching the Transformers movie and the air conditioning broke. I guess there's a conspiracy theory against the Autobots, right? <laughs> well, I mean, as ever. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you can see the date of original posting for for some of the videos that you're looking at. I know July 8th, uh, there's at least some stuff on YouTube. Is the earliest date I could find of some YouTube commentary of the TikTok videos. So we know the TikTok videos came out, at, or a lot of these TikTok videos came out before July 8th. So this is a repost of a video um, that uh, – but this video is from the 14th of July. But there are other examples that range, you know, that's, you know, earlier time frame and are also, you know, people are in the theater recording, you know, just teenagers that are working at a movie theater coming in and saying the air conditioning is not working, this malfunctioned, this malfunctioned, and – all of these are being attributed to not 
just everyday mechanical malfunctions, these are being attributed to a conspiracy theory where folks that are wealthy in Hollywood and beyond profit from human trafficking. So they don't want us to know the truth about human trafficking. And so by making the theater uncomfortable, they're going to make sure that you don't see this film. By, by the time July 8th rolls around, this conspiracy is in place. So the film, the film hasn't been out for very long, right? It's only been 31 days in the running. It's August 4th, right? I think it comes out around 4th of July weekend. Um, by July 8th, um, you know, we've got a YouTube video up that is synthesizing a number of different conspiracy theories, taking screenshots from different TikTok videos about people complaining and saying things like, yeah, the AC went out for me too. And it's all getting to this story that you're talking about that people don't want us to see it. And this idea that somehow it's not just, you know, the, the movie theaters, that the conspiracy even gets to the point of saying that AMC theaters themselves are a part of this conspiracy, such that the head of AMC theaters had to make a statement uh, in, in, you know, two thirds of the way through July to say, this is absolutely not true. Um, you know, here's how much money has actually, you know, gone through uh, AMC theaters as a result. And so there's a, a really interesting thing going on. We've got this conspiracy in place so early that now people are expecting for something to go wrong uh, whenever they go to the theater. So, you know, Sean, I, I, I see news stories that start on, say, you know, the right after the first week of July, and then outlets are covering this all through July, this conspiracy story, with various styles of narrating it. Some are saying things like, Sound of Freedom conspiracy theorists accuse AMC of sabotage. You have others that say, Sound of Freedom Fury, as multiple people claim AC not working, right? So you've got some of the earlier stories. So that one was July 12th, uh, Newsweek's headline, made the conspiracy theories, you know, at the time it gave it a little bit of air, uh, even though it took statements from AMC and even from, I believe, Angel Studios, right, who both of them denied any kind of tampering. But even that headline itself uh, gives some air, right? That 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 headline is very different from, say, USA Today's, which is false claim AMC shut off AC for Sound of Freedom. So there's a, a good chunk of time during the beginning of the film's release where there's a tension on social media, but then also the way that we're narrating this conspiracy gives it life. We want to be careful about how we cover this. And we've talked about coverage before as an issue. I think- well, Paw Patrol. Yes, Paw Patrol. Um, We've done some interviews with some colleagues, uh, the same thing, right, of this idea of like stenography, like just repeating what people say does not necessarily make something news. But this has gotten to the point where the CEO of AMC actually responded. I mean, that's unheard of for a CEO of a big movie theater chain to actually go, no, we're not trying to suppress this movie this is not a common thing. That's that's the level of news coverage and social media coverage of this mis and disinformation and this framing. Yes, and the best part is that the response online to that statement on social media was that many people said, well, of course they're going to say that. I don't trust you. You're a Hollywood elite. Everything's corrupt anyway. Well, nice coincidence. Setup, right? That's the same. Yeah, sure. I mean, so that makes sure that no matter what the response is, no matter what the 
with the answer that comes from the media, comes from the CEO of, of the theater networks, from the staff at networks, from academics, researchers, anyone, right? They're like, of course they're going to say that, right? This is, no matter what, there's a setup so that we undermine what's about to come. So then there's no way to change that narrative. Yeah. In some ways, the story writes its own ending. Well, it's, it's not even foreshadowing, right? It, it, <laughs> it's tautology. Sure, enough. sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, but I think this is why you start to see, or I think, you know, tr- trying to make the point that, you know, we want to think about the movie and the response together. Um, because the, the movie is successful because it resonates with people. And then we learn a little bit about why it resonates with people in terms of some of the conspiracies that are, that are, that are kind of bubbling up around it, right? This is, this film is catnip for anyone who doesn't trust government institutions, who feels like government institutions fail us perpetually, and also, you know, sees all the kind of moral problems in the world as reducible to, you know, treating children horribly. But also this, this captures our emotions, right? This is an emotional response. This is, you know, so if we go back to our first episode of the podcast ever, one of the things we discussed is that when you start to feel an emotional response to pieces of content in various ways, that might be a moment when we want to take a pause. And, but this narrative that's surrounding this film and even the film itself to a certain degree is designed to elicit this emotional response and plug into our feelings about children, our concerns about children. But then it's in this distorted way that experts in the area in this field say, this is not how trafficking really works. This is actually taking us away from the strategies that we should be using to address human trafficking and child trafficking. You know, the Q moral universe is built around, around child exploitation. And it is not controversial that child trafficking is a horrible evil. That's not the controversial part. All of the evildoers are doing these things. And so, you know, evil looks like something and you can find the evil by your, by its association with this terrible stuff. And by the way, the evil is everywhere. And so you kind of build layers on top of this kind of one fundamental idea and you know, the consequences are that all of these institutions are corrupt because of their association with this activity. But it also means the solution is the only solution is violence. Individual violence or small group violence, right? Not necessarily organizations like the FBI, organizations like transport networks and coalitions that have been doing this work for decades. That's not the solution. It's these individuals who rise up and are kind of saviors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, if I want to make a a parallel, right, whatever pandemics recommended relationship between an individual and medicine is kind of like the relationship that sound of freedom recommends for citizens and child trafficking, self-vigilance, no institutions don't trust anybody. And that conveniently plugs into these QAnon narratives and conveniently plugs into the use of just common sense. Look for yourself, check your own facts, right? It just feeds into that sort of narrative that's already warmed up due to 
the last you know, five to eight years that we've had. Yeah. And I think here we can make a nice distinction between a term like democratization and atomization, right? Democratization, we often use interchangeably, like, oh, well, no, this film is just democratizing the idea of intervening in child trafficking. Um, Plandemic was merely democratizing the idea of medicine where more people have access to it. No, no, this is different, right? This is actually actively encouraging people not to cooperate, um, isolating people um, in a way that makes any kind of collective behavior um, completely suspect because everything is so corrupt, right? And it also creates new networks. So some of the folks that watch this film, watch some of the social media content, will then be connected to new networks that they were not connected before. And some of these networks were previously or sort of still currently, QAnon networks, militia networks, anti-vaxxer networks, these new coalitions that have formed over time, now some of these folks might enter those networks for potentially further radicalization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think think that's a great point um, to, to end on, right? Is that this, what we're tracing isn't just, you know, some misunderstandings where people don't have, don't, don't have a lot of trust in movie theaters, right? We're looking at stuff that has potentially radical, really interesting implications for kind of radical thought and radicalization and can also get us into some, you know, pretty scary territory when you're thinking about the long-term implications of lots of people thinking this way. Do you think that there's going to be discussions about child trafficking and human trafficking in the vein of these viral TikTok, Twitter, or formerly Twitter, now x.com posts, news media coverage? Do you think that this is going to get integrated into our next election that's already started. Yeah, I mean, I think past is prelude here, right? Um, one of the one of the critiques, um, I don't even want to say critique, right? But um, one of the ways that uh, a lot of these forums and message boards would impugn the reputation of the Democratic candidate was to kind of describe him as a predator. And especially on some of the dot win forums, and some of the like Chan conversations that went on, you have conversations about how Democrats are child traffickers, that this is the party of child trafficking. So, you know, I don't, I think given the popularity of this film and the way that people are lining up to defend it, or even lining up to explain how an air conditioning malfunction is actually part of some kind of Hollywood elitist plot. I don't see those things going away. Yeah. Especially in those uh, communities and in kind of who folks that start to walk into, right, start to kind of wade into some of these social media posts and these networks, they're then going to be connected to some of these political networks as a potential on-ramp to kind of more and more conspiracy theories, some of the missing disinformation that we've already discussed. Like it's already kind of warming up and just kind of ready for activation. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when the moral of so many of these stories uh, and is, you know, because, because these institutions aren't trustworthy and because everyone is now kind of, you know, atomized in a way where individual action is, it matters so much that we get the moral of the story to be, if something bad is happening, it is okay to break the law and stop it. It is okay to break the law to stop it. And so from uh, something like a pandemic to uh, a film like this one to, uh, to like the show, the terminal list on Amazon, right. Or any number of kind of dramas that are just about 
you know, soldiers punishing the government for being untrustworthy. And you can do grotesque and horrifying things and break the law just because you're morally correct, right? All the way down to, you know, the 45th president of the United States current defense for his, you know, 78 indictments right now, um, as of August 4th is, you know, you, it's okay to break the law a little, if you think something is wrong, by the way, these organizations are so corrupt, we should just bypass them and, you know, simplify our model of power and command. And I think that's probably a good place to stop for the moment, because I think, um, in future, podcasts, we can get into the connections of the election and we can dive deeper into some of the, the tactics I think that are used that, um, this connects to. Yeah. Full plate today. So done for now. Thanks for joining us on this one. Go see another movie perhaps and enjoy yourself. Be thoughtful and be well. Mm-hmm.